Hey, this is Jordan Wilkins, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. Jordan Wilkins bringing us in. Byron, what the fuck is this all about? Is Jordan Wilkins your life preserver at the end of drafts? He has to be. Can you believe it? With the DeMarco Murray news, it's one of the big bullets we were thinking we were going to have to dodge like Neo in the Matrix with our Jordan Wilkins love. And man, that ship has sailed. He didn't, DeMarco obviously didn't get an offer from the Colts or from Chris Ballard or any of these other teams that he wanted to take at this point. I don't even think the Colts were sniffing around him much at all. I don't even believe they were in that list of teams that had been floated around. You know, the Saints were kind of at the top there. So to me, that was the big bullet to dodge for Jordan Wilkins. This is a guy that we've really grown to love throughout the process. Uh, just a good kid that I would I really trust on my roster and I think has a lot of upside in that situation there in Indianapolis so yeah with Andrew Luck back in the fold potentially scoring a lot more points one of the most improved in offensive lines across the league especially in the interior where a guy like Jordan Wilkins will be making his hey man that's a that's a player that's really surging for me and man if I can get him late as a life preserver that's just great strategy well, here's the thing. You can. You can get Jordan Wilkins at the very end of your drafts if you play in a standard – or not a standard. I don't mean standard like in the way of standard versus PPR. I just mean if you play in a 12-team league that has standard bench slots, you're going to be able to get Jordan Wilkins in your 14th round before you take kickers and before you take defense. Uh, he is going – let's see. Naheem Hines has a current ADP of running back 48, so that's uh, 158. As far as where he's going, which seems like a, a deal in itself, Jordan Wilkins is being taken at 253. So he's, he's not even being taken in most drafts. Um, I think that Naheem Hines is a guy you're going to have to reach a little bit more for. But uh, Jordan Wilkins is a player that is always going to be there for you. It's always going to be, like we say, a life preserver, a life vest if you're a little bit slim at the running back position. Uh, I dare to say with the Robert Turbin uh, suspension – and with the fact that Wilkins is kind of the new blood that's been brought in there by this new, uh, you know, by this new coaching staff, by this, um, by this, I did, did, did Ballard bring in Marlon Mack? Maybe Ballard brought in Marlon Mack, but it doesn't seem like it was a Ballard, Frank Reich, you know, everybody on board kind of thing, like it was with Jordan Wilkins, like it was with Naheem Hines. So... I think that if we're looking for the foreseeable future, I think – and here's the other thing about Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack. I think those two players are more similar to one another than Jordan Wilkins is to either of them, right? Yeah, I tend to agree with that, so definitely. It, se- it seems like, it, you know, we Look, know these guys, we're going to get a committee. These guys, they're all going to play. They're all going to play. Yeah, we know we're going to get a committee, and so I might want the one who's going to differentiate himself from the others, even though the idea of Naheem Hines with that four three eight speed – on that fast track. Here's the thing about Naheem Hines. Do you th- 
do you think that since the Colts haven't done a goddamn thing to address any wide receiver – I mean, we're still talking about whether it's going to be Chester Rogers or Ryan Grant as the number two wide receiver there in that offense. We know that there's Jack Doyle. We know that there's Eric Ebron. Now we hear the reports coming out of camp that Naheem Hines is going to do everything. They're going to want to get him the ball as much as possible. Are we maybe sleeping on the idea of Naheem Hines maybe being a second or third wide, a second or third receiving option in that offense? I mean, it's not completely out of the realm of, realm of possibilities. He, he automatically becomes one of the best athletes that they have on that offense. If they're excited about getting him involved, he could be a guy that you could use on jet sweeps. You could get the ball out to him on little slip screens. Just get the ball in that guy's hands in space. That's a fast track in Indy. What, what do you think about the idea that while he might not be used in, a, in that big of a role out of the backfield between the tackles, anything like that, maybe not even in, as a traditional running back, maybe one of these kind of running back slash wide receiver hybrids like we might see out of a Ty Montgomery or something this year, could that be in, in store for Naheem Hines as a rookie? Well, I never feel like we're sleeping on Naeem Hines because this was a player that I had rated as a spectacular, pure prospect uh, coming out during our uh, our running back evaluations in the pre-draft process. The only knock against Naeem Hines was obviously the size. Uh, to me, when you look at the construction of this roster and this offense and the direction that Chris Ballard is headed, I mean circumstantially this just sets up for a lot of touches for the running backs for the Colts this year now you 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 uh had a you spoke about standard earlier just in terms of being a non-dynasty format I'm having Freudian thoughts of standard and the fact that I like Jordan Wilkins more in standard but to your point yes I like Naeem Hines much more in PPR and this is a guy that you can still get value on that has quite a bit of upside in that receiving role because of kind of the 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 um the vacuum at the other wide receiver positions and nine hines is an excellent receiver and of course as i just alluded to i believe that we're having a shift in culture here that's just going to result in a lot of touches overall for the running backs so when you parse that out sure i think that you can definitely um extrapolate uh, some upside for Naeem Hines in a PPR format in the Colts, you know, this season as a rookie for the Colts. Now, the only thing we have to kind of balance that against is can he be an Alvin Kamara? Can he be somebody like that? Historically, no, because guys of his size just don't get the snap count. They just don't. There's just not guys at that weight in the NFL that they rarely get the snap count to have that kind of upside. So, you know, I think we have to be a little bit realistic about it. But, yeah, I mean, that, that makes total sense. So would you take Nye and whatever you talk about that height and that weight? I mean, he is 5'9", but he is, he is, he's almost 200 pounds. I mean, 198. He could get a decent snap count if he's not being pounded into, into the line every, you know, every, every play. I don't. I don't think they're going to use him like that. I think that they don't have an athlete like Naheem Hines on their roster. And so I think that they're going to use him in a different way than they use anybody else well, on their Well, it's going roster. to be a trash man tournament play. It'll be, it'll be in the garbage grab. It'll be just the week that you, you have to, you know, you're going to have to pick it right. What week is he going to go bananas? Maybe he earns a role where he starts getting six, seven targets a week, and all of a sudden he's a baseline, like, flex play in a deeper you know more competitive league but i mean if i had to guess i'd say at least the first half of the season 
is going to be you're just going to have to pick it right with Naeem Hines. There's there are there is upside there because of the big playability and because of the the way that the Colts play offense and the way they'll try to get him hit him the ball and it'll be like a min salary guy and so it'll be impossible to pick for everybody but the trash man. So that's why you guys will have to tune in and stay with us because he'll have that thing dialed in right right when the timing is ripe. The Trash Man has his weekly garbage grab at rosterwatch.com along with all of our weekly tools for our pro subscribers, the matchup tool, the epic uh, matchup tool, our flagship in-season tool at rosterwatch.com, snap counts, touches, and targets, all of the trade tools, the trade cast, the in-season waiver wire cheat sheet, the waiver wire podcast, the DFS cheat sheet, the DFS Hyper DFS Pro lineup optimizer. I'm uh, the the Vegas tool for all of the Vegas props, and there's even the touchdown dependency tools. And I'm even forgetting stuff. It's all part of our in season suite of tools at rosterwatch.com that you can get with a pro membership for the next two weeks. Pro memberships can still be had for three dollars and ninety nine cents. You will be grandfathered in at that price. Prices will be going up. So if you want to get in now for cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee, join Roster Watch right now and go download the cheat sheet which i is now the ppr cheat sheet i'm updating right now to version 2.3 where an expert quality draft is guaranteed if you follow the three simple rules but do not break the three simple rules by bastardizing the cheat sheet or do do not bastardize the cheat sheet by breaking the three simple rules okay so here's here's my quick question byron for this update to the cheat sheet you still like ty montgomery more than naheem hines right me have to Okay, so if you are down to your last pick, and I don't th- let's say Naheem Hines is off of the board in a, in a PPR. Trashman was on this podcast last week profe- professing his <laughs> insane love for Chris Ivory. And here's and, I love it. And then so that's my, what we pay him for. So my so my question is this. And hey, he's been he's been consistent about that all offseason. With he, he was consistent about it even before the whole shady news. So my question is this. We're talking life preservers here. Guys you can get at the very end of drafts that could come through for you and help save a fantasy life at some point during the fantasy season. If it comes down to Jordan Wilkins, and I, I just I wanted to mention, too, we talked about all of our in-season tools. We're going to have a ton of preseason tools coming out, too, to supplement the cheat sheet, like the ADP reference tool, the contract years tool. There's too many to even get to, and one of them is going to be the offensive line Um, the offensive line rankings tool, which is going to be out on Monday. I've already basically completed refilling out the sheet and pulling in uh, all of the data that we needed from the 2017 season. We have the skeleton of it ready. I still need to get the manual inputs for for our staff inputs uh, for these individual player grades for these starting offensive lines. But Byron, I mean, before you know it, all of the sins of Ryan Grigson there in Indianapolis with not being able to protect Andrew Luck, who we're expecting to be back at this point, blink. And if you look at the offensive line that the Colts have put together, I mean, this is, this is Anthony Costanzo who, at left tackle who we consider a, a you know, not a, not a Pro Bowl level player, but a plus level player on the sort of the low end of the plus level, you know, can't come touch him kind of players on a team. Uh, his grade is a 5.3. Um, that's on a scale that goes all the, all, all the way to six. Quentin Nelson at the left guard. I mean, you can't give him any more than what we have, like, as a red plus distinction. But we have him at the very low end of that red plus distinction at a 5.1. 
Ryan Kelly, who I went and looked. I mean, I don't care what Pro Football Focus says about Ryan Kelly because they have him graded pretty bad from last season. I think that guy has a ton of upside based on everything that we know, even for people inside that club. And also from what we've seen just on his film from at his pro day uh, down, there in, down there in Alabama. Ryan Kelly is one hell of a center. And then at the right guard, you have Jack Mehort, who we know very well from the, uh, from the senior bowl. Uh, his year, uh, just a big bruising player that w- while he's healthy, he's been very good for those guys, especially in the run por- por- run block portion. The only real uh, question they have on the end is good. I believe Denzel Good over there at the right tackle position, who uh, by every service is graded uh, not very well in the starts that he has had. And also they have the uh, the swing tackle of Austin Howard. So this is a group that right now, as far as our metrics, when we take in the swing tackle, also taking continuity along the offensive line, uh, as well as returning starters, this is a top 10 to top 12 offensive line of the Indianapolis Colts. Just something to keep in mind. You can find the whole list at rosterwatch.com. I'm going to put this up probably on Monday, maybe Sunday night. It's a really, really awesome tool that we'll integrate into a bunch of our others as we are continuing to uh, shift our rankings and um, take in everything that we can. Then you have the Buffalo Bills, who we have ranked as by far the worst offensive line in the whole National Football League. Um, this is Deion Dawkins. This is John Miller. This is Russell Bodine, who's probably the worst center that I've ever seen during his time with the, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Guys like Jordan Mills, Vladimir Dukas, and then a swing tackle of Marshall Newhouse, who you know very well from his time in Oakland. Basically the worst there is. The best players on this whole offensive line are, you know, just above replacement level. And Deion Dawkins, who had a, who had a better year than most expected last year, and then in Vladimir Dukas. Whenever you take those things into consideration, so we're talking about a top 10 to 12 offensive line that Jordan Wilkins will be running behind. We're talking about uh, the worst offensive line in football that Chris Ivory will be running behind. But the fact of the matter is Chris Ivory might have that backfield completely to himself now that DeMarco Murray is out of the picture. I don't really know what other... I mean, what other KG vet could they sign there? There's not really any left out there. Adrian Peterson? Not behind a bad offensive line. You don't want him behind a bad offensive line. It's just like DeMarco Murray. And the primary backup there in that case is Travaris Cadet. I mean, here's the thing about Chris Ivory. Chris Ivory always gets hurt because he always runs to contact. He's never needed a good offensive line, right? Like, he's always getting hit behind the line of scrimmage anyway, and he's he's incredible yards after contact kind of guy. Very violent runner. It's why you worry about him getting hurt. But I think that Chris Ivory is the quintessential type of back that I don't mind taking a pounding behind a bad offensive line. With that being said, he's going to get hurt. So that's the like, – here, here are the cons for, for Chris Ivory. It, because we're talking about our last pick, life preserver running back here, and we have a choice between Chris Ivory and Jordan Wilkins, okay? So here, let's list pros and cons for each. Cons for, um, cons for Chris Ivory. It, he could just be the backup to Shady McCoy, and Shady McCoy might end up getting off of all this stuff, and we've heard the last of it. I am of the Mike Florio opinion on this, that if we don't – we need to hear something pretty soon from LaShawn McCoy as far as a PR standpoint. Don't, don't you think, Byron? He can't just keep taking body blows with this and expect the court of public opinion to just, you know, 
just kind of forget about it. Why I should think, he care about the court of public opinion for marketing for marketing dollars? To me, the sound legal strategy is probably to, to stay put. But I'm not a lawyer. Mike Florio is. Yes, and the court of public opinion means everything to Roger Goodell. That means everything to him. Roger Goodell. There's no president that the NFL has to follow here. They, the NFL has shown that they are extremely reactionary to outside forces. They are extremely reactionary to outside forces, especially in the age of Trump and in the age of hashtag Me Too. They are extremely focused on keeping the narrative about football. We've seen it in the Jameis Winston deal. They, 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 they went behind everybody's back and probably cut down Jameis Winston's six-game suspension to whatever, four games or whatever it is now because Jameis's people said, look, we don't want any details of this getting out. You don't want any details of this coming out. They do a lot of underhanding dealings there as far as, the, as, far as discipline. They have, they have no precedent with it. They, if, if, if I'm Shady McCoy, I don't want it just lingering out there that there's this statement from the lawyer that is accusing me of these things, that, this, that, that certain things have happened, and that's just out there lingering. I think it's bad for what the, what the NFL is going to, uh, going to end up doing to him. And my biggest fear as a Shady McCoy owner in Dynasty is he's going to end up on the commissioner's exempt list as, as the commissioner's forced to go through and investigate this thing with an outside investigator if they're not able to get it wrapped up in time. But regardless, that's a con, right? That's a con for Chris Ivory, the fact that Shady McCoy might be back, right? Um, the other con is that he's going to get hurt. The other con is that he's playing behind a bad offensive line, which could lead to him getting hurt. The other con is they might not be in scoring position that often. The pros are if Shady is out, he's going to be basically a – there's not going to be many backs that get the same workload that he does, the same snap percentage that he does. And the other pro is that when he's been able to be in those kinds of situations, Chris Ivory has flourished in his career, not only as a runner but as a receiver out of the backfield. Okay, so the pros and the cons for Jordan Wilkins. Well, hold pro- on. What about how much, how much weight do you put in the trash man's analysis? That's not a pro? Sure, it's a pro. Okay. So, and then so Jordan, Jordan Wilkins, he's getting to play on a fast track. It's pros, fast track. Uh, Andrew Luck offense. Most likely uh, route to goal line work of any backs that are there. They're not going to give goal line work to Marlon Mack or Naheem Hines. Um, Get more likely to be in scoring position more often. Gets to play in a dome. Doesn't have to slog through the snow, et cetera, et cetera. Cons, he might be a 15% snap participant to start the season, and it might not get much better than that. This could be the Naheem Hines, Marlon Max show. Once Robert Turbin gets back, this could be a dreaded four-headed split of a monster. I mean, offense, don't you expect it to be? And I forgot to put in the pros part. The offensive, the offensive line for the Indianapolis Colts at this point is actually a, um, a, a plus. It, did, it sure didn't take Chris Ballard a while to get that figured out, did it? No. I think they're going to play this thing like the Packers with a bunch of running backs, like the Packers or the Seahawks, man. They're all going to play. You're going to have to pick the right time. Is Jordan Wilkins good enough to get a hot hand and run with the job? It'll be interesting to see. He's the, he, I mean – He's a guy I like a lot there, and those are a, that's a long list of cons for Chris Ivory. I mean, to me, the uncertainty with LaShawn McCoy and the investment you have to make in McCoy just automatically pushes Ivory up the board a little bit in terms of his value as a handcuff. If you make the investment in Shady, you, I mean, you almost have to take Ivory, and then 
you know, I, what are the current ADPs on the two guys right now? Alex, they're, both, they both, they're both free. Jordan Wilkins and Chris Avi are both free. Both I last li- round guys. I, 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 I'd like us to have the option to have one of these guys as a, as a, a flyer life preserver in the, yeah, in, the, in the 14th round. So which one would you rather have for your life preserver? I mean, I'm a rookie guy. That's what I do. That's what I spend my whole life, my whole year, every year, my whole off season doing. I had the most extensive rookie running back and positional evaluations I ever undertook this off season. Most thorough, the best evaluations. And so, Jordan Wilkins is a guy we like. I'm a rookie guy. That's where I'm going to gamble on my late round pick. But usually, that results in being a waiver wire. You know, guy. Anyways, at some point that you're going to have to move on and off your roster, you're going to have to rotate, kind of like that turnstile that we'll talk about every week uh, with the waiver wire cheat sheet during the season. But yeah, I mean, I, I I would be a Jordan Wilkins guy in that situation. The trash man would be a Chris Ivory guy in that situation. It sounds a whole lot to me, Alex. Like these guys are going to have to be touching on the cheat sheet. Well, they're certainly touching. A lot of mutual touching between these two. Um, going to leave. I'm going to leave Jordan Wilkins above Chris Ivory for now, and we'll just see what happens. That, that's, things, that's something that could change where Chris Ivory could take a big jump over all these guys who we're having to reach for him in the 10th round or something like that. If we do get definitive word that Shady is likely to miss at least some time, or if it's looking like he's going to end up on that dreaded commissioner's exempt list, you can just ask Adrian Peterson how it feels to end up on that thing or any of his owners. The 2018 Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Rosterwatch cheat sheet. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Rosterwatch cheat sheet. An expert quality draft is guaranteed. It's magical. It's mystical. It's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. It is only at rosterwatch.com. Kyle Long, a golden child of Roster Watch Nation. A man child. Says that he's ready to take the training wheels off of his little child, Mitch Trubisky. That the training wheels have been taken off little Mitch's bike. <laughs> Don't we love Kyle Long? I he's love always Kyle been Long. the best, man. Ever since I walked up next to him, in the senior bowl bathroom, in the urinal to take leaks next to each other and pestered him about his first roster watch interview, uh, his special senior bowl YouTube interview. We've had a special bond, man. We have Kyle but, Long. We have, isn't it funny? We have Kyle Long ranked as basically tied with David DeCastro as the second best offensive guard in the National Football League, only behind. Zach Martin, another senior bowler and golden son of Roster Watch Nation. The only thing you hate about Kyle Long is to know that he's already about 30 years old. Yeah, that's true. But hey, but man. He's, he's got some good time left, man. There's an offensive lineman can play for a while. Yeah, and you got to remember, like, he had, he had a bunch of trouble in college. Remember, he bounced around from different school, different school. I think he plays in baseball and stuff. He doesn't have quite the doesn't the, have quite the wear on the old tires as some of these other guys. He do. has been a little bit injury prone in the NFL. Nonetheless, a key piece to the Bears' offense when healthy, he makes that running game go. So, good news is Kyle Long's back in the fold with with along with what is it, Cody Whitehair and who 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 else was it that they got uh, that we absolutely love this year uh, in the got, interior? They got. I'm not sure if he's going to be starting, so I'm 
just baking it in with the, the other guy, I think Bradley Soule, but it's going to be James Daniels. He, he might play over there at left guard. That's turning into a pretty – like, again, outside of right tackle where they have Bobby Massey over there. It looks like he's going to start at right tackle. But outside of that, you have Charles Leno Jr., who we weren't super big on, but who if you look at the grades from – uh, stats and if you look at the grades from PFF, he had a really good year last year. So we kind of split the difference a little bit with him. But then James Daniels, he comes in and he's automatically uh, an above replacement level type at the at the uh, at the left guard. You have Cody White here at center, and then of course Kyle Long at, at right guard. So that's a good group, man. It, it made me think long and hard about the way they're going to be able to pound some folks, and that makes me like Jordan Howard a little bit more than I really. Uh, have him baked in here on the cheat sheet for PPR. I know that for standard, you're probably going to get Jordan Howard up a little higher, but I probably have some. I, I know we're off subject, but do you like Jordan Howard better than better than Joe Mixon right now, or do you like Joe Mixon better? In PPR, I probably, in theory, like Joe Mixon better. You got to bake in some level of certainty with what you're getting, though, and you know you're getting a stud with Jordan Howard. I'd probably have Jordan Howard right above Joe Mixon, at least on the standard sheet probably have to have to be that way i think it's a little bit of a projection to put joe mix i know that's the business we're in but that's an important pick you need to make sure you're getting a good player and you know you know hands down you're getting a rock solid player and value on jordan howard at yeah that point. I'm, I'm gonna move jordan howard one spot above joe mixon for now just based on this offensive line deal the cincinnati Bengals, their offensive line has improved with their with them their addition of cordy glenn but Still not. I mean, they have Trey Hopkins from here at Texas starting at their starting at their right guard, which I just thought thought was unbelievable. But in, anyway, so, back to yeah, back so to, what do you, back to what Trubisky. Do you think? I think it. I think it does come back around to Jordan Howard anyway, because if that offense is good, Trubisky's good, the training wheels are off. They're going to be in scoring position a ton because they run at a fast pace, and once they get down there to the goal line, you know who the ball is getting put in the gut of, and that's Jordan Howard. Kyle Long saying, my little boy is becoming a man. They've taken the training wheels off of Mitch's, <laughs> li- off of Mitch's little bike. Did he say Mitch's little bike? <laughs> yeah. He says he's a tremendous leader and somebody the guys look up into the locker room. So just that's good news coming from a rock-solid veteran in the league. Uh, about a situation. Look, we 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 told you guys back in December this was going to be the off season of Mitch Trubisky, and that was going to be the biggest narrative of the off season that nobody was talking about. The whole thing's come home uh, to roost. A couple other things here. Um, one thing that's not coming home to roost: the Lions website putting out. It's Tim Twentyman putting out the idea that he expects Amir Abdullah to make the roster in Detroit and to well, stay with the team. I think that that's somebody telling Tim Twentyman just to get that out there and drive up his trade value. They, they have to trade him. They have to trade him. Otherwise, they're going to have to cut him, right? And that's just not what they want to do. That's probably, that's probably true. Just a little bit of propaganda there by the Shell Media Organization. For the, I mean, it's like, I mean, what for, is, the, for, I mean the, it's, for the Lions GM there. It's like the North Korean fucking, it's like the North Korean news giving you, giving you an inside tidbit about what, what do you think Kim Jong-un is thinking. What do you think about the speculation that Quincy and Noon will be getting most of his snaps out of the slot? And how are you quickly... I guess just briefly, how are you currently reconciling the Jets' offensive situation and most specifically, I guess, the receiver situation? Don't, don't give a shit about any of them. Just stay hands off all of it because we can't – We are getting zero exposure to any of these idiots. I don't, want to, I don't want players on bad – I don't want players on awful teams. And when I you can't don't. figure it out, you're better off just leaving it alone. We've made so much money over the years – 
using that methodology when it gets down to the point where you're just not sure on a player where you're trying to split some hairs guys there's better there's so many good options out there guys that we know so much about that we love as players uh let's not toil with the trash and we'll leave that to only one man to do this season Corey davis reportedly one of the stars of titans otas alex another Kind of head scratcher to reconcile that wide receiver situation along with, you know, Mariota's, you know, uh, passing prowess and uh, what appears to be a should be a run first team. What do you make of this? The uh, reports about Corey Davis. Fully expected. I mean, he should be a stud in OTAs in year two, right? Absolutely. Fully but we expected. Got, I mean, he was getting the targets there for a few weeks when healthy at the end of the season. You could see it. It didn't happen. You could see it. You know, my reservation is, are there just too many other mouths to feed in an offense that can't support, you know, can't support all those mouths, you know, on a weekly or consistent basis? I mean, can Corey Davis be a not, you know, is he going to be an eight, nine, maybe even ten target a week guy. I'm just... The Corey Davis breakout is already baked into his ADP. His ADP right now is 69. He's going before all the... All of the... It's too high. All, all it's the too Rams high. guys. He's going before Chris Hogan. He's going before Crabtree and Emmanuel Sanders and, you know, a bunch of... I mean, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. I mean, your guy... You, Kelvin Benjamin or your guy... Who you wanted to talk about, Sterling Shepard. What is it that you have on Sterling Shepard? Eli Manning saying that Sterling Shepard is primed for a big year. I guess that means people really got to wonder if Eli Manning is the one primed for a big year because that's what we're all going to need if we're buying buying this uh, buying what he's peddling here. Sterling Shepard, I just feel like a guy well, that's not been— not only that, he has two first-round— Two first-round fantasy assets catching footballs from him and Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham. He has a top four tight end and Evan Ingram, and now he's talking up Sterling Shepard to have a big year. Look, man, if all this is true, then what this means is that Eli Manning is going to have a big year. It's going to have to. So I, I don't know. I just wanted to touch on Sterling Shepard just from – he just feels like a guy that's kind of gone completely under the radar and not too long ago was such a good prospect, you know, had the good rookie season. He was a guy that people were hot and heavy for. And I mean, he should only be getting better. Obviously we have the concerns about Eli. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of other mouths to feed. I just wonder is Sterling Shepard going under the radar? What's his ADP right now? Is there any value on Sterling Shepard? Is he currently still overvalued by the public? Um, oh, you just don't hear much about Sterling Shepard. His ADP right now is like 109, and whenever I get into that spot where we're going to be taking a Sterling Shepard, there are just there are players that I'm more interested in pivoting to. I mean, I, I, do you like Sterling Shepard more than Alan Hearns? He looks like he's going to be the number one wide receiver in Dallas, or C.J. Anderson, who could have a good role carved out there in Carolina, or even I mean, if we have to reach at that point in time to get an Anthony Miller to make sure that we get him, you know? Or if, or let's say Jordan Reed is available right then if, if, if he falls there to round pick 109. I just there, – there are too many other options around there. Well, that, he's one of the guys that makes the cheat sheet work for Roster Watch Nation, right? There's just no value on Sterling Shepard. In fact, he's overvalued most likely at this point. Yeah. When, when, when you talk about the opportunity cost – 
uh, your you know your replacement. Some of these guys get driven there. down, man. Sterling Shepard's gotten driven down a little bit. We're not getting much of him. Look, if he has that breakout season this year, fine. But if he has that breakout season this year, I think it's going to come at the great peril of owners of Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, and Evan Ingram. <laughs> 